the amount of effort it takes to achieve relatively small goals and relatively large goals are pretty similar. And so it's what we choose to pursue that really makes the difference. It's that choice. It's not really working hard. Is that, you know, assuming mm-hmm. that everybody's working hard, but what are we working towards? Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host as always, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here today as I am every day with incredible guests. Today, we got Spencer Gray. I didn't mean that to rhyme, but it did. So I hope you guys are are doing great and listening in well, because this is going to be an awesome episode. I can already feel it. How you doing, Spencer? Yeah, and I'm doing incredibly well. It's a beautiful summer day. I'm, you know, sitting here with Kasei King. So I, you know, I don't know how it get any better. <laughs> well, it can get better. I guarantee you. There's nothing. There's all, <laughs> I guess there's always room to improve. There's always room to improve. Yeah. But appreciate you coming on the show. And you guys, if you don't know who Spencer Gray is, he's the founder of Gray Capital. It's a real estate investment company. They've transacted in over 1.5 billion in transactions. That's what I'm reading here. That's pretty awesome. And currently operating over a half a billion in multifamily. Love to hear how you got started in real estate and what else is going on in your life. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, how I got started in real estate really kind of goes back to the beginning of it was by accident. And it was probably one of the best accidents that have ever happened. And I tell people it's my, you know, one of my best deals and worst deals. Right. But I was getting out of high school and I had a friend whose father was flipping houses. And this is in about 2006. And he wanted to teach his son how to kind of get into real estate and what real estate investing was all about. And he said that, Mm -hmm. you know, part of real estate investing is finding partners. So you need to go out there and find a partner. And I guess he took me as, you know, we were pretty good friends. We weren't super close, but I think he saw me as someone who was entrepreneurial, always kind of putting stuff together. And, you know, I guess, you know, somewhat of a leader. And so I got roped into Mm -hmm. it and I didn't know at the time he was going to go off to summer, like go to like a summer camp. And I was basically going to be left in charge of this running this entire project. And so the project was not a huge success. We didn't lose that much money, but it was not a profitable endeavor, but it planted the seed of, okay, real estate investing is something that I can kind of wrap my head around and something I think that I want to keep doing. And so I didn't really get into multifamily investing though, until about 2015, I had been flipping. I continued to kind of flip houses on the side, but it wasn't until I had sold another business completely unrelated to real estate in 2014. Mm -hmm. I was sitting down with my wife and I were like, you know, what's the next thing? We want to build another business because we just, we wanted to have that full control of our lives and build something. And I said, I love real estate. Let's build a business that's just centered around investing in real estate. And we were very fortunate to partner up with some folks that were multiple steps ahead of where we were in the multifamily investing space. Right. And we still started leveraging their experience and their track record and partnering on deals and doing co-GPs. And it was kind of just, we threw some jet fuel on their fire and both of our firms started growing relatively quickly. And so then you know, just with that group, I mean, I think we did over 13 syndications as a co-GP, about a couple thousand units until we got to a point of saying, I think we can do this on our own. And I think we can maybe do a little bit of a different, maybe a better job. Mm-hmm. I want to build our own team and really build a company, kind of the best you know, real estate syndication firm 
that we can. And so really over the past two and a half years, that's been the focus, you know, lead sponsoring our own projects and, you know, building the team. That's awesome. That's incredible. I mean, a lot of people who've been successful in real estate, I've found coming from a different business and just, you know, taking, you know, the earnings or whatever, the proceeds from sale of a business, you put it into real estate. It's a great way to get a jump start, especially when you're talking about larger commercial real estate, larger syndications. Was it something that I know you've raised a lot of money from private investors and things like that over the course of these years? Was that something that came natural to you, you having from your previous business, or was it something that just kind of was a new thing? Because I know that's one of the challenges that everyone has. Yeah, it is. I don't think it necessarily came natural. I wasn't doing a lot of you know fundraising in the previous business, but I was doing sales. You know, we were actually in the craft beer industry. We were selling hops to kind of brewers across the country and really kind of brokering hops. So you know, I really kind of started getting my sales chops. You know, really doing that. But you know, it's different sure. from raising money. But you know, learning how to communicate with people and just kind of talk through a process and you know a product. While it's different, you know, it's similar at the same time. But I, but the whole idea of you know raising money and you know asking people for their hard-earned money, not to just do an immediate exchange of you know exchange of cash for goods and you know the transactions over. Of it's a whole completely different of saying you're going to entrust me with a large amount of your hard-earned money, and I'm going to be the steward of that right. to not only you know preserve it but to grow it. That was something that I was I certainly wasn't comfortable with. At first, and that's it. Took a while of you know investing our own money, starting with friends and family, and family friends, and slowly growing that network until we really had the confidence. You know, we had started going full cycle on a project, saying we really understand this. We know what we're doing. We know what not to do. And I was at a point of where I'm like this. I had seen the results of investing in mm -hmm. multifamily and syndications, and how it was benefiting my family and, and my friends. And I say, I, more people need to know about this. More people should be aware of this asset class and that there is an avenue to invest. And I just got excited about, you know, evangelizing and kind of spreading the word of multifamily investing. And so, it, you know, the, if you can't, if you don't believe in something, yeah. it, I mean, I can't sell anything I don't passionately believe in. And it was just that passion of, you know, I've seen this work for myself with firsthand experience. Sure. And I think you should do it because I truly think that it will benefit you, you know, your family and your future. And so for me, it wasn't a lot of the fear went away. I mean, it's still a great amount of responsibility, but kind of that passion to kind of help investors find the right solution where they want to achieve kind of overpowered, right. you know, any fear of, you know, managing money. Absolutely. And you see that coming through. I mean, especially, you know, on bigger pockets and places like that, where you're providing a lot of value, a lot of insight to people who are kind of newer and just sharing your experience. I mean, you've gone through, having gone through that many transactions and that many uh, deals, you can see, well, we've been in a good cycle. So I shouldn't say you see the good and the bad. There's not necessarily been so much bad. I'm sure there it hasn't happens. been as much bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it yeah. happens. And it does happen to everyone. There's definitely deals that go sour, but now that you've kind of founded your own company, kind of gone off on your own, I know you mentioned you started off with great partners and that's essential, I think, for everyone who's getting started in the game to find a partner, find someone, a mentor who has been doing what you want to do, been doing that for a few years at least, and can kind of guide you. I mean, you mentioned going off on your own. Are you now doing everything on your own, the operations, or are you still partnering or bringing on other GPs into your deals? 
Yeah, for the most part, we're doing everything in-house. Our GP kind of stays internal to the group. You know, we've brought construction management inside last year, and we're in the process of bringing uh, property management in-house into the company as well. We actually just hired a director of property management to build that out. So we'll be fully vertically integrated in the next probably three or four months. So, but yeah, we're pretty much doing everything in-house. And a lot of that is we wanted to have a direct connection and to control the process and We've had great third-party property right. management partners that you know that do a great job, but we want to take that kind of to the next level and just you know benchmarking some of the best firms out there. Not that all of them are doing that, but it's the type of business we wanted to build. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. There are a lot of great real estate companies that bring everything in-house and are able to scale and really create you know a fully integrated company. It's not just you know a real estate investment firm and kind of have a lot of moving parts where you actually bring everything in-house, you can create a sense of community within your own company. And that's yeah. an amazing thing. It's not necessarily for everyone, right? But that's something you can do. Exactly. It's not for everyone. And it's not... Sometimes people say, well, why wouldn't you manage? Why wouldn't you do all that yourself? But they're kind of separate businesses all on their own. I mean, the kind of the finding deals, you know, the actual working on, you know, sourcing opportunities, you know, is kind of, you know, one task that could be its own division or company, the raising money and the financial right. services and the investor relations, that's a whole other kind of operation. And then the actual operations of from property management and asset management and construction, you know, it's really three different worlds that have to work together in tandem. But, you know, we still have a relatively small team. We've got 10 employees, you know, we're going to keep growing, but it is, like you said, the community, if it's exciting, because, you know, we're all kind of working towards the same goal, but we all have our own different niches and focuses, but, you know, it is kind of in this nice community that is, mm -hmm. I'm having a great time. You've seen it grow and, you know, having fun on the team. Absolutely. And that gives you an opportunity, probably some, a role that you haven't really been in in a while since you had your own, your company beforehand, but is having employees and having people that are working for you, kind of creating that work environment, a place where people can feel like they want to come to work. Yeah, And that's a challenge in itself. I mean, it's different than, you know, just investing in real estate and finding deals. It's now we're dealing with the company culture and things like that. Yeah. Building a business, you know, a, you know, medium to, you know, large size business, you know, is it's always been a passion of mine. And, you know, I remember going back, you know, right when we were really kind of trying to expand great capital. I mean, you know, I'll write my goals down, you know, before I go to bed and when I wake up and, you know, and they say, you know, say what's consistently on that list. And on my list, it wasn't, you know, buy, you know, 5,000 units. It wasn't make, you know, X amount of millions of dollars. What kept reoccurring on my list was, you know, build a great business. And so what I you know I'm passionate about is, you know, building a team, building a business that's going to be around here for the next couple of decades or longer, or something that, you know, that my kid, my children, if they have any remote interest in real estate, have an opportunity, they could you know, continue if they want to. And so it's building the team and the community and the business. And that, that only happens with, you know, yeah, if we got to go do good deals and we have to raise money and sure money is a metric that's a part of that equation, but it's, you know, it's not the most important thing, but yeah, building the, the right, the best business is what gets me really excited. Sure. Yeah. And it's a, it really is something else entirely. When you have that goal, that's something that's really what's going to drive you either way. Right. And I think it's really important. Whoever's listening to this, you got to figure out what your goals are in life and, and in business. And that's, what's going to drive you. What's really going to drive you, not just the goals. I mean, really what's behind the goals, yeah, right? What's the, the why? why, like what's driving you. So what is that for you, Spencer? Yeah. 
you know, that's a good question. I mean, you know, at its core, what the why that drives me, you know, is, you know, it's what a lot of people say, but it is that true, you know, financial freedom and the ability and the opportunity to, you know, have the life that I want to live, you know, with my family and whether that's, you know, spending the time where we want to spend it with the people we want to spend it and having the freedom to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to work, you know, tomorrow, or I mean, I'm taking some time off because I can do mm-hmm. that. That to me, yeah. having optionality and freedom in life, you know, was the real reason to build a business, you know, and build a sustainable business. That's awesome. I mean, especially when you have a family, that really makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And I think anyone who's focused on that in life, surprise, not surprisingly, I should say, most of the people that I deal with are people like that. You know, you have a family, you have a why, you have something greater pushing you than just how can I make as much money as possible? Or how can I do as many deals as possible? Which a lot of young people, you know, great, good for them, right? Being driven by that. Yeah. Uh, I think when you get a, a little older, you have a, a few gray hairs like like me, you get to realize there's a lot more to life than, you know, just chasing the next deal or the next payday. Yeah, I agree. Because those things are so, can be so temporary. You, know, you get through the deal, you get the payday and that's great. But what kind of real impact and kind of legacy you're living? And, and again, coming back to the freedom, you know, being at the point of where you, know, you can make an impact in people's lives, whether that's, you know, your friends, or your family, or it's, you know, causes that you support of, I can not just, you know, not only can spend time and volunteer, but I can make, you know, real, you know, monetary impact on causes that are really going to, you know, make a difference, you know, in my community. And if I was, you know, working at W2 and just kind of, you know, clocking in every day, even if I wanted to, I could, you know, volunteers put as much time in as I wanted to, but I wouldn't be able to make that much, you know, nearly as much impact as I can now. Right. Are there any, any causes or anything you want to share? Something that you're passionate about that you're putting time in? Yes. Yeah, so, so one, actually, we're both putting time in and we've been supporting financially is a school in Indianapolis where we're based out of, and it's a high school and they tar- they really serve underprivileged kids. And part of the program is a mandatory work study from their freshman year in high school all the way up through senior year. And, you know, and these kids are you know, truly, you know, very much, you know, underprivileged and you know, don't come to necessarily come from the best backgrounds. And so what we're doing as a company is we're bringing on two students for the next several years to come in one day a week to be, to work at Great Capital as an intern. And so th- through that period, and it's really great because a lot of the multifamily firms in Indianapolis have, have been participating in this, wow. but it not only gives them some, you know, life skills of, you know, some on-the-job training, but the bigger thing is it kind of, it opens up their mind possibilities of what's out there. Because a lot of these kids, you know, they're never, they don't know what real estate investing is. They don't know that's an option. A lot of them, you don't really know probably how, you know, finance works or the two areas that we're going to have them working on is marketing and helping out with analysis and like market research. And so we're, so one of them, we're going to be teaching how to research, how to do analysis on markets. And the other one is going to be working with our marketing team in creating content. And so that's something we're just, we're really excited about. And it's top of mind because we just had a meeting about it today, but yeah, that's one we're really excited about. Yeah. No, that's really cool. That's awesome. I don't think enough people get exposed to that, especially the financial literacy of it. You know, just being around people, they don't really teach a lot of that in high school. And sure, you may be teaching them uh, and giving them opportunities to do marketing. And that's great. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And even in the, you know, underwriting deals and looking at, you know, acquisitions, that's all fine and great. But I think where the real opportunity lies for impact is, you know, I don't know if you had this in mind or anything, just like, you know, buy everyone a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, like that, exactly. that will just blow their minds. And they may not 
be changed by it right away in high school, but it might impact some of those people. If you can plant that seed again, just like when it goes back to the my opportunity to flip that first, you know, rental house, if you can just plant the seed that there may be another way to look at the world that maybe you haven't been exposed to, but mm-hmm. may just open several more doors. And you may look for an opportunity that you didn't think even weren't even aware that even existed. Right. So yeah, that's the most exciting piece for sure. That's so awesome. That's amazing. And so now that you're kind of bringing everything in house, vertically integrating, bringing in its interns, right? Building your team. This is, it's very exciting. Where do you see yourself, you know, let's say five, 10 years from now? Yeah. So, I mean, five to 10 years you know, from now, and again, we've had, you know, total unit goals. I mean, we in five years, like have over a billion dollars of assets under management. But, and again, like that, that's one metric, you know, that we can set a, a target on. But in five years, you know, I truly want to be running and operating, you know, the best, you know, multifamily investment firm, multifamily syndicator and operator that exists. And that's going to be, you know, yeah, me, you know, leading the team, but that's only going to be possible just through building the best team and bringing on the best people. And so in five years, you know, I want to be working with the absolute best team of real estate professionals that exist. And I know that's crazy and, and hyperbolic, but you know, why wouldn't we shoot to be anything but the best? You know, we're not going to, our goal is not going to be, you know, the, the runner up, right? You know, right. Well, we're going to be the, you know, in the, at least the seventh best, you know, real estate company. And yeah. And that's hard to, and then, you know, in, the best of something that's really hard to quantify. Right. And we do have metrics that we're shooting for, but I want to be the most, you know, well-rounded, you know, the most trusted and, you know, the group that individuals and whether it's family offices, you know, look to when they're trying to get into the space and make sense of the space and are looking for a partner they can trust. That's awesome. It's very, like you said, lofty goals a bit, but you're doing the best that you can do. And that's really the main thing. If you shoot for the stars, right, you'll hit the moon or something like that. You'll get somewhere. And I think bringing in all the experience you have and the vision will get you there. I see a lot of people succeeding in real estate. It's been pretty easy in the past several years in the market, right? But you see those people who scale from, you know, one deal to, you know, 30 deals within a couple of years. And you have some people that scale from one deal to five deals and not to quantify success by the number of deals you have per se. But what I'm trying to get at is the amount of effort and the amount of, you know, growth that one has is really based a lot on what their vision is and what their goals are. And I see those people, you know, I met someone three years ago, I recall it was before COVID and I went out to visit them and walked one of their properties with them. We did some videos and marketing stuff for them. And I recall them telling me at the time they had, you know, maybe 200 units under management, you know, at the time, really new, very, very smart guys. And he said to me, yeah, we're going to have a billion, you know, my goal, have a billion under management, you know, that's what we want to do. Three years later, they're at a billion and a half, Right. And it's just incredible to see the growth some people have. And you know, they also have grown their whole company, all everything in-house, property management, and they have like 60 employees now. It's like, and it's can be done, but again, who do you have on your team? Like who's pushing you and who's who you, you know, allowing you to get to where you need to get. Yeah. And and just you said, you know, what's your target and what have you're what you're aiming for? And you know, just one example is, you know, when we were kind of early on in capital raising, you know, we were looking at, you know, we were looking at some larger deals and they were going to require larger capital raises. And it was very intimidating. I'm like, well, guys, if we don't set larger goals, setting the larger goals is going to force us 
to take certain actions so we can achieve those goals. And if we set a goal of raising a million dollars, well, I'm going to probably talk to a different group of people than if I'm going to be raising $10 million or $100 million. And, you know, I threw out this idea that I'm like, I think it's easier to raise a million dollars than a hundred thousand dollars. And I think it might even be easier to raise 10 million than a million dollars. And like, that's very counterintuitive, but all of a sudden when we were going to raise $12 million, it forced me to start having conversations with groups that all of a sudden were like, oh yeah, we'll write a $7 million check. But if I was raising the one or $2 million, I would have never even approached that group. Right. And I certainly would have, wouldn't have asked for that amount of money. And so it is all relative to what your goals are. And I think Steve Schwartzman from Blackstone in his book, What It Takes, I'm going to I'm gonna paraphrase, I don't have the exact quote, but the amount of effort it takes to achieve relatively small goals and relatively large goals are pretty similar. And so it's what we choose to pursue that really makes the difference. It's that choice. It's not really working hard. Is that, you know, assuming mm-hmm. that everybody's working hard, but what are we working towards? Right. You're absolutely right. The same amount of effort is in closing a, you know, a single family sometimes to close a multifamily deal and the returns can be exponentially yeah. greater. So absolutely agree with that. That's awesome. Especially when it comes to factoring in your time, mm-hmm. because we look on our board and we have one, we have some deal, some smaller deals that take up the vast majority of our time. And we have some very large deals that produce, you know, a, a big chunk of, you know, the kind of the distributions, the revenue sort of, you know, to the company. And it's like, those were just, they took the same amount of effort. And in fact, we've put more effort into these small deals that aren't producing as much. Why wouldn't our effort go into a lot of these larger projects? I mean, just going to get us there that much faster. Absolutely. Why do you think that is? I mean, what, what's actually causing that? The disproportionate amount of work on the smaller deals? You know, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, it probably Same comes enough. down to you know, that 80-20 rule, you know, at some point. But, and I don't know if it was just, you know, the product of the circumstances of, you know, one of the projects that's smaller just you know, to inherently was a lot more work. And then one of our larger projects has just been so stable and just kind of continuing to improve. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, there is some you know, strange law of the universe out there that kind of brings <laughs> that back. And, you know, we're still focusing on the things. And that's why you have to be aware of. And we had, we talked about this in the meeting today of, you know, are we spending so much, the, what are we spending our time on? Or what are we spending time on things that are actually producing results? Or are we just spending time on them because we think that we have to? And a lot of times you can't make that decision to not spend time on it when you're in the middle of it. It's like, you know, we've got a deal. We can't stop working on the deal. We got to get it done and execute and, you know, get the project to where we need it to be. But it's, you have to, it comes back to setting the goals and looking a few steps ahead because then you're not necessarily going to be in a position of where you're working on things that aren't producing. If you decide, no, I'm going to be disciplined and only focus on the areas of the business that really do produce results, then all of a sudden, you know, you're 80 that isn't always as productive. It's much more productive than what it was. And then you've got 20% that's extremely high productive, but you're just continuing to kind of concentrate on what works. Makes sense. It's kind of hard to grasp it once, you know, when you're involved in it, but you know, it does make sense. It's like seeing the forest of the trees when you're in the right. middle of it. And then you have to look back. I mean, we were just looking at some of our social media. I'm like, we were spending a lot of time, but is any of this working? Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time and a decent amount of resources, but if it's not working, we should certainly should consider changing it. And, or we have to question, yep. should, you know, should we be doing all of this? Do we have our share right. time be spent is better spent elsewhere? Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. That's always the question in every business, right? Looking at your output and making sure that it's bring back the return that you want to bring back. Spencer, I want to transition now. Time flies over here, but we're going to go into what we call the final four. First question is, what's the worst job that you ever had? 
So I was thinking about this in the worst job I ever had. So I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I went to school for music and music production. I worked in recording studios just out of college. And so I was living in New York City. I was working at a recording studio, which I love working in recording studios and recording music. But I got a job recently after I had moved to New York City at this studio that just their standard, I guess, for quality and how they ran their business and what they did was just so far below what I, the way I thought that a business should be run or a you know music studio should be run. And it wasn't hard work, but it was a little demoralizing because I had worked at other recording studios that had a very high standard. And it was just so frustrating, you know, working with people that really didn't care that much. And, you know, I couldn't get motivated. And then of course, everyone else thought that they were, you know, really smart because they'd been working in this recording studio for a long time. And, and I just was like, I'm just not very impressed. So I ended up, I didn't stay that long at that studio. It was not a great environment to be in. Yeah. I mean, that's something that it's really about the environments. I think for a lot of people, the job, it's either something, what I've heard from the, my guests on this question, it's either the environment, the people, or just very hard, like menial labor. Yeah. <laughs> One yeah. of the two, or a combination, which is even worse if it could be yeah. such a thing. The second question is what is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah. So this is an interesting one because I'm conflicted about it, but I can't deny that there was a paradigm shift and that was Be Successful or Be Average by Grant Cardone. And again, I have a very, I guess, bipolar opinion of Grant Cardone, but he, the one thing that he's certainly incredible at is I think he's a great motivator. And that book for, again, there's things I love about it, things I'm like, I'm not a fan, but without a doubt, there was a little bit, there was a paradigm shift after reading that book of really what I need to do to focus. And I was reading that while I was really building up great capital. And, you know, I had a young family, I still have a young family, but they were even younger at the time. And it really, it made me focus on and get serious about, you know, what those goals are and setting, you know, setting some of those goals. So really more for, from like a personal development standpoint, it just kind of got me kickstarted of like, I need to start thinking about things in just a little bit different way and taking myself more seriously and my business more seriously and where we're going. Yeah. Big shift for me. hundred percent. Yeah. That's an awesome book. And we'll put that in the show notes. And I agree with you with terms of what Grant, these people love him or hate him, but you cannot disagree that the guy's a motivator. Yeah. And he's got energy. Yeah. No one doubts that. <laughs> yeah. Third question, excuse me, is what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? So I've always wanted to get my pilot's license. And actually at a young age, I wanted to be a naval aviator and fly fighter jets, you know, off aircraft carriers. And then I learned, I think in second grade that I was colorblind. And then someone, I oh. didn't know what that meant until someone told me, they're like, Hey, you know, you don't mean to, you know, be a Debbie Downer, but like, I ain't flying off an aircraft carrier if you're colorblind because you can't fly at night, the instrument. So I kind of, you know, mm-hmm. put that kind of dream and pursuit kind of right. in, the, in the far back burner. But now I'm at a point where I still love aviation. And so I still won't be able to probably fly at night, but I want to get my pilot's license and, and start flying aircraft. And part of that comes down to kind of the, I guess, you know, autonomy and freedom and the ability to, you know, I can hop in a plane, you know, whether I rent a plane or you eventually, you know, buy a plane and I can fly to, you know, a little airstrip. I don't have to make, you know, three connections because I'm in Indianapolis and we don't know what the best connections. Mm-hmm. Like I can go fly somewhere wherever we want, you know, take the family. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. 
That's great. That's an awesome thing to do. I think a lot of people, it's actually been a few people on this show that have actually mentioned that they want to do that. Cool. Yeah. A pilot. So there you go. That should be a fun one. Fourth and final question. What does success mean to you? You know, I kind of touched on this earlier in the show and, you know, success for me, really, it's not a monetary, you know, figure, you know, at any point. I mean, you know, money is important and it's critical and, you know, it's a resource, Mm -hmm. but success to me, you know, is to have, you know, the best team and to be so confident in my team in several years and be at a point where I just need to get out of their way. And I really need to be less involved because I've just built the best team. And that's kind of just been my guiding principle. Mm -hmm. I just need to hire people that are way smarter than I am and let them take over things that I'm I think that I'm okay at, or I can do, but I want to bring someone in that's way better um, at it than I am. And we're not too far off on like a lot of like some of what the things that we started doing. I think we still need like leadership and keep moving in the right direction, but to have the, you know, this vision of, you know, I've got the team, we have an incredible team right now and I love everybody on it, but to be able to just kind of step away and step back and say, I just need to get out of your guys way because you are just crushing it at what you do. And I'll always be involved because I love doing this. I love being in it. But it is again, it's just to have that core awesome, you know, team that just crushes it each time and happy to come into work and happy to do this and and everyone's passionate about it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's meaningful. You know, it really does. Uh, when you come to the office and see people enjoying what they're doing and loving that, being successful in their own right and doing that, that's very fulfilling, especially as a CEO, as a leader, seeing that. Amazing. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, Spencer, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Yeah. So, you know, anyone's free to email me, Spencer at greatcapitalllc.com. I'm also on Bigger Pockets. I'm on LinkedIn. We've got a YouTube channel. We do kind of weekly market updates in the multifamily industry. So you can look up the Great Capital LLC YouTube channel, but, you know, Google Great Capital will pop up. Very good. Well, we will put that in the show notes also. And I appreciate you making the time today, Spencer. It's been a lot of fun. Learned a bit and excited to see where your journey takes you. Absolutely. And I really appreciate being on. This was awesome and looking forward to staying in touch. Sounds good. And to our listeners, thanks for listening and tuning in all the way to the end. Once again, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.